Jesus, we want to declare together as your children, as your followers, that you are the name above every other name, and that we will build our lives on your love. Jesus, would you be lifted high? Would you be honoured and glorified in our lives, in our time together, but in the ways that we live throughout the week? Jesus, we gather together to think and to respond to what we feel and sense you leading us into as a church community into the next couple of years. We just recognize that it is nothing and it is just nonsense if you are not in it and leading it and calling it and us responding and stepping into it. So Jesus, we just want to declare right off the bat this morning that we love you, that we worship you, that we adore you, that we follow you, that we will build our lives on the love that we have experienced and received from you. And as a community, we'll continue to walk in your ways. And Lord, we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Parramatta Baptist. Lovely to have you here this morning. It's a bit of a special service. We have not only the three services, but we also have a church meeting at 10 a.m. this morning. So I hope that many of you can stay for that as well. Just to let you know that the service today is being recorded and will be available online sometime later in the week. So just be aware of that. The only thing I want to talk about before our children go out is actually our Christmas giving. This has been in your newsletter and I encourage you, if you haven't already, grab the little flyer how to do this. As you can see on our Christmas tree, we have a number of gifts now for our homeless ministry. That will be given out on the 15th of December. So I encourage you to do that. Thank you to everybody who's brought them back. Remember, they do need to be back by next Sunday so they can be made ready for the, the following Sunday. We've also spoken about putting together Christmas hampers, therefore people within our own church, but also those in the community we have connection with. Again, the list of things that we need for that, they're Christmassy type food, Christmas cake, Christmas puddings, you know, those yummy type Christmas foods that we eat, and we put them together. Again, if we could have those foods back by next Sunday, that would be really helpful as we make those up. The one I do want to talk about this morning, though, is our drought appeal. We just felt very convicted as a leadership team that it would be wonderful to actually bless particularly churches and communities who are really drought affected at the moment. The Baptist Union do have a drought appeal fund that is set up and those funds are distributed into local communities as determined by the local church communities that are there who are aware of the needs, the people and the families who are most in need and the funds are distributed there. It is a tax deductible fund that has been set up and just really encourage you that as part of your giving that you would consider a gift. But it's not just a gift because what we're asking is really to bless some of the families and communities affected by drought. So it's not only to give but also that you perhaps would write a note. And again, thank you for those who have already written a letter to those who are drought affected. Again, instructions are on the little drought appeal form. Grab one of those, consider to give, consider to write a letter. Also just pray as your gift goes and as the letter goes. Pray for our drought affected communities as we do that. If you do want to make a gift by credit card or, or provide your details, that's the form also out there as well. It should be really clear, read your newsletters, they're a great publication, get them by email, you get it even earlier and you get more information and you get Joe's comics every week as well, if you appreciate those, the cartoons. There must be the anticipation. I've never heard you this quiet before. <laughs> we were just saying that Steve should do some offering entertainment, actually. Do that. Funny thing happened on the way here today. Actually, a funny thing probably did happen on Wednesday. <laughs> well, we do want to say welcome to everyone who's here today. I'm Cathy. I'm one of the pastors here. Co-lead our pastoral team with Steve, if you're visiting. 
and if you are visiting, you've, you've actually come to a, a service with a difference today where we are going to pause and celebrate some things of this year, but we really want to look forward as well to the next three to five years and just where the leadership have been sensing God is leading us. And so we want to invite you in to that journey with us today, and this is going to take the rest of the service, but come with us and we hope that you're able to capture something of where we have been journeying as a leadership for the last six months. When we come to talk about the future this morning, it's not like we start with nothing, start with a, a blank canvas. Over the last three to four years, there's been, I think, an increasing clarity as to our understanding of who God has called us to be and who he's calling us to be in the future as well. So a lot of what you hear this morning, you'll go, yeah, I, that makes sense, or I've heard that before, and I really hope that's the case. If it's all new to you, hopefully that's because you're brand new here as well. You may remember there was a couple of brochures that have been given out over the past few years looking about what we were sensing the Lord had been speaking to us. And just want to give you a really quick recap as to some of the things that we've communicated, the things that we really sense that God has been leading us in. The first is to do with leadership. And there's just a very strong sense that God is calling us to raise up from within this church leadership across all ministries and across all layers of leadership, both voluntary leadership as well as paid leadership. Uh, the reality is for, for us as pastors in the church, perhaps the single biggest chunk of our time is actually dedicated to the teams of volunteers and people that we work with in ministry. That's increasingly been the case. It's also given rise to our intern program that started up a couple of years ago and also taking on Morel and Ben in associate children's and youth roles as well. So that's what we've really sensed when it came to leadership. When it comes to property, uh, obviously six years ago now we redeveloped this site, but we quickly grew into filling the new facility facility as well and so we explored the possibility of relocation of actually moving from this site to a larger site where we could build a larger facility as well but in that process uh, and weighing up all the different options we really sensed that growing to let's say a congregation of 600 or 800 people would take away from one of the strengths of PBC and that is generally this is a place where the congregations are small enough that everybody is known and hopefully feels known feels loved and feels cared for in that process so what we have deliberately chosen to do is replicate congregations rather than move towards a larger and a larger facility and a larger congregation. Now, the reality is we can still grow on this site. 8.45, you feel the pinch the most. But we still have room at 10.45 and 5.30 services to actually continue to add perhaps another 200 people coming along on this, this site as well. Uh, the third aspect that we've been communicating and where we've, we've grown just a, a greater clarity in what we're sensing God is saying is around the whole aspect of church planting. So the Parramatta City Church is now moving into its third year of existence and we will continue to resource and to support the Parramatta City Church plant. But the other aspect, and this has been communicated before, is we are open to exploring other possible sites to establish services in. We don't have the exact where, and we'll talk about this in uh, probably about another 45 minutes or so, but come back to it. But we are open to exploring additional sites for additional services. And the last one is actually in the sense of, of what is our calling? What's our primary focus and calling as a church? And that's been a big focus of this year. We've spoken about and we've called people to pray for and to serve people such that they experience the truth that Jesus really does transform lives. That captures something of our vision statement. We are led by God's spirit. We are compelled to share Christ and we are restoring the broken. But our primary calling as a church is to serve and to love in such a way that we come to see that Jesus transforms lives. 
after Steve and I returned from sabbatical last year, we shared our reflections that PBC is a good church and we, we kind of depicted it as a tree, a healthy tree, recognising that we run lots of services and short courses and programs that reach into the community and do really good things. And so we also recognise, though, that within that, that there is potential for more lives to be transformed, for us to bear more fruit as a church. And so this year, many of us, young and old, committed ourselves to pray for exactly that, that Jesus would transform lives. Well, over the course of 2019, you probably haven't been aware of it, but but we have been, as a pastoral team, gathering stories of where Jesus has been transforming lives. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the fruit on our tree over here has actually increased through the year. And you know, every piece of red fruit on this tree represents a story that we have heard of a life that has been transformed. And so... To date, this year, we have heard stories of 22 people who have made a first-time commitment to Jesus. Isn't that exciting? And there's also been a further 46 who have experienced significant transformation in some way. Now, that might be a spiritual awakening or it might be some other significant transformation, but they're life-changing stories. We suspect that there are more stories that we haven't heard. And so if you know that God has done something significant in your life, please come and share it with us because we want to be able to celebrate what God is doing. But you know, these aren't just numbers. These are real people with real stories. Each of these stories that God has been writing of transformation has made a real difference in someone's life. And so let's take a look at some of these life-changing stories. How can we do anything other than respond in worship and celebration to our great God who continues to be at work to transform and to heal and to restore? And I'm not a big, let's clap God, but um, I think we, on this occasion, I think it's very appropriate. Would you stand to your feet? And can we just publicly acknowledge as a family the things that God has done already this year in changing lives and just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. And we recognise that they're just the stories that we're aware of as a pastoral team, and that's just, that's just some of them. So if you're here and you're like, you know what, I, I know exactly what my cardboard testimony is, my, you know, what, what I once was, and now by God's grace I've experienced this year, um, we'd love to hear those, like really, really love to hear those, because they've been an answer to our prayers and very much our heart for, for each one of you. So, so do come and share that with the pastoral team if that's you. And if you're someone that sits there and watches that and it just raises something for you, you're like, I, you know what's on the front bit of that cardboard for you right now and you're yet to see the other side I just want to remind you that our God is a God who does great things and the testimony of so many within the life of our church is this is who Jesus is and this is how he is present and at work in our lives so to to hold on to hope to pray to seek him God is so good isn't he please keep asking Jesus to transform lives beyond this year You know, I I don't think it's any coincidence that we're able to gather so many stories in one year and the fact that so many of us have really been seeking the Lord and his transformation of lives. It is about him and it's about what he is doing. 
without taking away from that celebration at all, we believe that there is potential for so many more lives to be transformed through us at PBC. And this forms the background of our first three to five year vision picture. Did you know that through our ministries this year, we were able to reach 150 young people through youth ministry, 500 through our ministry in Prince Alfred Park, 190 through playtime, 220 through the childcare centre, 200 through the ukulele network, 160 children through the kids' holiday program and some through Alpha. That is over 1,400 people. And I've asked our ministry leaders about this. We estimate that 1,000 of those people don't yet know Jesus. If we were to then add in the relationships that each of us have in the context where we are through the week, we would estimate that we have personal relationships with many thousands of people who don't yet know Jesus. Can you see the opportunity for more transformed lives? Mm. You know, we don't have to go looking for people who we can share Jesus with. They are already in our lives and they're in our ministries. But if we're going to see them come to Christ, Each of us will need to grow in our ability to come alongside a person who doesn't yet know Jesus and become part of their journey of exploring and becoming a follower of him. One of the realities is that for many people, and this is especially true for adults, becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't just happen because they come to a church program. It's a process, it's a personal process of looking at what the Bible says and discovering who Jesus is for themselves and that process most effectively happens in the context of a personal relationship with a Christian. So the first vision picture for us as a church is that in the next three to five years we want to see a growing culture of relational disciple-making. The Australian church has for many decades hoped that by running good programs and serving the needs of the community that somehow people will find Jesus. We are no different to churches right across Australia. Programs are a great way to meet people. They're a great way to make friends with those who don't yet know Jesus. They're a great way for people to feel positive toward the church. But you know, for a not yet Christian to become a follower of Jesus, and as I've said, especially, this is true for adults, that only happens in the context of someone journeying alongside them, a personal relationship with a believer who comes alongside and helps them explore, find, and follow. We see this in the Gospels, in the story of Jesus. This is how Jesus did it. Jesus attracted the crowds, we know that, don't we? But he got alongside people to actually make disciples. Sometimes we have the impression that Jesus walks into a, uh, just a group of people who he has no relationship with, complete strangers, and he says, hey you, come follow me. And all of a sudden they go, yeah, I don't know you, who are you? But yeah, I've got nothing better to do, I'm going to follow you. Uh, but that's not the story we get from the Gospels. When we get into Luke 4, we're told that Jesus was in Galilee and he was teaching in the synagogue, as was his custom. So this is something that he did regularly. He's teaching there uh, and there's a crowd. He's not just passing through. 
In his time in Galilee, he meets a guy called Simon, who eventually becomes the disciple Peter. And we're told on one occasion, Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people in the synagogue. But after he's spoken to the crowd, he goes back to Peter's place. And there, Peter's mother-in-law is unwell. And Jesus performs a miracle, and she is healed. Simon wasn't a disciple at that point. But he was watching. He was in relationship with Jesus. And in the context of that relationship, he gets to observe who Jesus is, that there's something different about him. When we get to Luke chapter 5, we're told that Jesus had uh, gone to Judea. He'd spent time there. uh, And he's back in Galilee again, ministering to the crowds. But this time, uh, he's... They've outgrown the the local synagogue, so they're on the shore of the sea. And who's there with him? Simon. The crowds are pressing so much upon Jesus, he says to Simon, he said, look, can I get in your boat and can we push out from shore just a bit? Simon, at that point, is not some random stranger. Simon and Jesus know each other. A relationship has been built. And in the context, in that context of a relationship, is when Jesus asks Simon to basically lay down his nets and to come and to follow him and to be a fisher of men. Simon, did he fully understand who Jesus was? No, but he had much more of an idea. And so he does, he follows him. And in the context of that relationship, he discovers who Jesus is. And he learns to walk in the ways of Jesus. So this is the first vision picture. It's reclaiming a model of relational uh, disciple making, just as Jesus did. There's a church in Melbourne, it's Crossway Baptist Church, and um, they've been endeavouring to build a relational disciple-making culture for the last 10 years. 10 years ago, they got to the point where we are, forerunners, and, um, and they, they went, how do we do this? How do we do this as a church? So they, they conducted worldwide research. They looked at countries where this was happening, where individuals were able to come alongside people, make disciples, and then see those disciples go on to make further disciples. They found some common elements that were going on in those places where that was happening. They came back and worked out, well, how would that work in an Australian context? They then began practicing it themselves. Then they began coaching other churches, just some select churches across Australia. And they've been doing that for a few years now and the results are really encouraging. And so on average, For every 100 people who attend church in Australia, so, you know, that would be several hundred of us today, there is one person who would make a first-time commitment to Jesus per year. That's the national average. So for us, that would probably equate to about five new Christians each year. At Crossway Baptist, they are seeing 10 first-time commitments for every 100 who attend their church. At some churches they've been coaching, they're seeing up to 30 first-time commitments for every 100 who attend their church on Sunday. And so in our context, that would equate to something like 50 to 150 new Christians every year. In 2020, the pastoral team will be coached by Crossway in what they have learnt. It's called building a discipleship culture and it involves us as a pastoral team committing to personal practices of disciple making ourselves. We will then go on and coach others at PBC. We're endeavouring to make disciple making doable for people of all ages and stages of faith and that is the thing that they have discovered is that it's ridiculously simple but it works. And so our church-wide theme in 2020 
is being salt and being light, with a focus on us strengthening the relationships that we have with our not yet Christian friends, that we might make Jesus known. See, one of the realities in this relational piece is that it is. It's in the context of a friendship that we have. And so we want to, each of us, come alongside and strengthen the friendships that we have. You know, as a pastoral team, we actually recognise this is going to be a challenge for us. This isn't something that, that we do naturally. But our invitation to all of you is to learn and grow with us. We, in time, just see that this can spill over into all people, and not just in years to come, but even starting next year. So we're excited about it. We're absolutely convinced that Jesus is calling us as his church to become relational disciple makers, that we don't just want to run programs that attract people who like the program, but we want to see lives transformed by Jesus for the very first time. And you know, there is nothing better than seeing someone become a disciple of Jesus. Let's take a look at one of our stories. My name is Katya. I came to Paramata Baptist Church almost two years ago. I came because I make a deal with my sister, uh, Joanne. She's sick and she needs medication. And I told her if she will take medication, I will start going to the Christian uh, church. So she agreed to that. I asked my nephew, who lives in Poland, to find a church for me in Australia so I can start going somewhere. First Sunday, I came with friends, uh, but then ne- Sunday after, I came in by myself and I was sitting in a bag. Yeah, during the service, I was just very aware of Cardia City on her own and I hadn't seen her before. And she was about three rows in front of where I was sitting and to the side. And during the service, several times, the Lord was prompting me to go up and speak to Cardia. And um, so I actually, you know, just said to the Lord, well, you'll have to keep her in the seat at the end. And Cardia did remain in the seat and I went up and introduced myself. And I, I sit a little bit longer because I was praying for my sister, actually, and I also was a little bit upset with all the situation, like why she is sick, why she believes in God and Jesus, why this happened to her. So I have like my moment. Mm. Yeah, so then Katia shared what was happening in her life and uh, offered to pray with her and so we prayed. And the next week when she came back, she was sharing how that prayer had been answered. And we prayed some more and the next week she came back and shared how God had answered that prayer as well and that continued for um, a time. And then um, I suggested that Cartier uh, come to my place once a week and we do Christianity Explained together, which she was very keen to do. That was really good. That was really nice. That helps a lot, especially for somebody who does, doesn't read Bible before. Yeah, yeah really so we got a Bible that had English in it. So. Yeah. So we both could communicate. <laughs> and it was, it was lovely to watch Katia have a real hunger to read God's Word. And uh, she'd come with lots of questions and was uh, yeah, just learning and growing so quickly. It was wonderful. And then at the end of the course, uh, we sort of pulled it together and um, we had a prayer together. And she acknowledged Jesus as her Lord and Saviour. And that was a very powerful time. 
Since I found Jesus, since I become a Christian, my life just changed so much. I know I'm I'm not by myself. I have somebody that I can count on, that I can pray to, and my prayers will be listened. And it's something amazing that just you are not by yourself. God loves you despite of what you do, what, what who you are. He's there for you. The last two years walking alongside Katia has been amazing. Uh, she came to life in the Spirit earlier this year, and it was a great joy to pray with her to be baptised in the Spirit. It's been wonderful watching her journey since then as well, and I would encourage anyone, if they have the opportunity to walk alongside someone, encourage them, maybe do Christianity and explain with them, that it's um, it's an amazing opportunity and and it's well worth doing, so I'd really encourage people to have a go. It helped me a lot when Dorothy uh, approached me and just ask how I am and if there is anything that I would like to pray for because I really need that. There was a lot of things that I want to pray for and so it was really good. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's really beautiful. How do we go? Um, anybody want to volunteer what they've experienced or what they observe as one of the strengths of Parramatta? Throw your hand up and, yeah, David? Hang on, David. Oh. Uh, thank you. Anything else? Yes. Right, Rosemary. <laughs> yes? Any other strengths, things you've experienced? Thank you, David. There's more. Okay, and then I'm going to go to Doug. You've got one more, David, then I'm going to Doug. Yeah. From cradle to grave, yeah, cross generations. Very intentional what we try and do. Very good. And what did you, sorry, David, I didn't catch what the other one you threw. Yep, okay. Good, thank you. Sorry, Diana. Community, a sense of community, yeah. All right. Phil? Yeah. Yep. That's right. There's a messiness to our church that reflects authenticity. I. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We did this as a pastoral team in a diaconate probably a couple of years ago now, maybe, but it's something we do come back to. Uh, These were just some of the things that the deacons, some of the pastoral teams spoke about. Uh, They talked about it being a place of healing, a safe place, and I think that's part of of the messiness. It's a safe place for the vulnerable. Strong community presence in Northmead and beyond and reputation. Uh, A sense of warmth that, that, that often is here, and I hope as people come that they experience that. Excellent ministries. We really do run excellent ministries. Clarity from the leadership of the church, our spirit-led leadership model, 
relationally healthy. And I think that's what I've experienced. Like people generally are relationally healthy. There's a messiness to it. We understand grace because of that, uh, which gives some uh, relational health to who we are. And we're a church that's very generous in many ways. Generous uh, financially, generous toward others, generous toward each other. Uh, I guess what we want to say is on the whole, we would say the church is strong, it's healthy, and it's growing. And we don't take that for granted because we know that's not always the case in every church. Back when the Christian church was birthed, Luke paints a a beautiful picture of a healthy church in Jerusalem. And Jareth is going to read to us from Acts 4, 32 to 35. And it's really a summary of that first church and what was going on there. Thanks, Jareth. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. You know, we don't quite capture um, this in our English translation, but in the original Greek that it was written in, the word meaning great was used three times in Luke's description of the church here. Firstly, there was great power as the Holy Spirit worked among them, restoring lives. Secondly, there was great unity. Luke tells us that all the believers in Jerusalem were of of one heart and mind, united by the work of Christ and by the Holy Spirit who dwelt among them. And thirdly, there was great grace on them all. And not just that the church showed grace by sharing what they had with others in need, which they were doing, but also that God was showering his grace upon the church in Jerusalem perhaps at least in part due to the unity and due to that generosity as they cared for one another. And I just want to say, although we as a church are far from perfect, I think there are elements of each of these three things at PBC. You know, we do see the work of the Holy Spirit in people's lives. There is a sense of unity among us as we we work together for the cause of the gospel. And we we do see God's grace being showered upon us as a church, doing extraordinary things that we could not make happen ourselves. And so our second vision picture captures a desire to replicate who PBC is beyond the confines of this property here. Over the next three to five years and beyond, we see PBC developing into a relational network of healthy campuses. Our sense is that God is calling us to to use our strengths, replicating our DNA into new campuses and new neighbourhoods. Imagine that as we grow in this culture of commitment to disciple making, if 60 to 80 of us committed ourselves to taking all the strengths of PBC, including that disciple making strength, to a new location. Imagine the sense of community as we lean in together trying to reach a new place with the gospel that disciples might be made. 
Imagine the adventure of partnering with the Holy Spirit to see more lives being transformed in new locations. Imagine if the positive experience that people had at PBC didn't just happen here in Northmead, but that there were PBC campuses dotted all around the Parramatta region. That the cardboard testimonies that we've seen today weren't just being written in this location, but they were being written in multiple neighbourhoods across Parramatta. How good would that be? It's something that has been talked about within our leadership for a couple of years. It was certainly one of the questions that Kathy and I took away at a sabbatical, and we intentionally went to churches that were using different models of church planting and campuses specifically. So there has been a greater clarity as we've, we've spoken to other churches, discussed, prayed, uh, and, and so just our understanding of this vision picture at the moment, it just summarised it in these three ways. Firstly, that Parramatta Baptists would, in the next three to five years, actually be meeting on multiple campuses. So multiple services here, but services held elsewhere as well. But there would be still just the one vision and the one mission and there would be a sense of shared resources as well as shared values. Secondly, that there would be campus-specific pastors, that each particular location would have someone dedicated as that pastor. But there would also be pastoral expertise that would be shared across multiple campuses. And things like youth ministry and kids ministry, it makes a lot of sense to do that, to actually share resource. And then thirdly, that each additional campus would not only have a Sunday service, but there would be a replication of ministries that goes on. So that each campus would have a youth ministry, a children's ministry. It would have prayer ministry and other ministries and it would also carry with it uh, just this culture of relational disciple making so that's really the clarity that's there at the moment all of you are probably going so when's this going to happen when will it happen the answer is we don't know yet this is part of the vision that we have for the next three to five years and this is still a time of discerning and it's a time where we want to invite you to join with us in putting this before the Lord and seeking his leading in this. We don't want to just simply pursue campuses for the sake of having more campuses that looks good on a resume, anything like that. We do want to be responsive to the timing and the leading of the Holy Spirit in this. So over the next six months or so, some of the team and the diaconate will be researching further what this actually looks like. It is early days, but we would really love to, just to hear what you sense the Lord may be saying into this. One of the realities of the church in Jerusalem, it was a healthy church, but God was not content to leave it being a healthy church in Jerusalem to stay in one location. The Lord used persecution to scatter them and it was because of that scattering that new churches were birthed and so many more lives were transformed than otherwise would have been touched. This little picture here is is, is, self-explanatory really. First century churches, second century churches, third century churches. Imagine though if it just locked itself into the location that it was in Jerusalem or the location it was after the first hundred years. You see, our desire is to be part of what God desires to do, not just in our church, but in the Parramatta area. There are so many people who need to hear about Jesus, who are yet to meet Jesus. And there are so many people who need his transforming work in their lives. And so we carry this message. We carry the good news of Jesus Christ, don't we? And we're called to carry it to the places that God will take us. That's a lot to take in this morning. So... 
to try and help a little, we've put it into a booklet as well. We didn't give you this before because you'd spend the sermon reading through it, going, that's where they're up to, that's, how are they going for time? They're going okay, all right. These will be available in the foyer on the way out. We'll quickly grab them and put them out there for you and then we'll whisk them away so 10.45 can't grab them. There will be an opportunity for some discussion around this at the 10 o'clock church meeting, which will happen at 5 past 10 or thereabouts, maybe 10 past. But just allow me to pray. Um, we're going to finish. Father, we do thank you for the way in which you have led us. Uh, we desire to be a people who are led by your spirit. We desire to be a people who wait on you, who listen to what your plans are for us. And uh, so, Father, would you continue to lead us into the future that you have in store for us. Father, thank you too that we carry within us the light of Christ, the love of Christ, and you call us to live that out in every place where our feet tread. Lord, not only in this place, but throughout our neighbourhoods, in our workplaces, in our families. Father, empower us by your spirit to enable us to do that. And Lord, our desire in all this is not to build a kingdom, but to build your kingdom, to see lives transformed by the grace and the love that is found in Jesus Christ, and to do this for your glory. Amen.